Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4141 of The Bugle, the world's only and arguably best audio newspaper for a visual world. I am Andy Zaltzman, as is so often the case these days, at least since 1974, and I'm in London. Uh, not here with me this week is Chris. Uh, instead of Chris, debuting in the producer's hammock this week is the stand-in Chris, if you will, the anti-Chris. Harriet, welcome to The Bugle. Uh, also joining me in London this week, no one. Both of my guests are in not London. <laughs> to narrow it down from the many not Londons out there, they are in Los Angeles, where, unless things have changed radically, it is A, sunny, B, breakfast time, and C, ridiculous. So uh, please be upstanding wherever <laughs> you're listening to this. For Tiffany Stevenson and Jenna Friedman, Hello. Hi. <laughs> We're just here because we thought the social isolation of LA would be safer during a time of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the hills where no one can find us. <laughs> uh, how is uh, how's America coping with the, uh, the impending uh, death of humanity? How's it coping with something it can't shoot? It's <laughs> 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 a fair question. <laughs> you could shoot coronavirus. It wouldn't be effective, but you can shoot anything. <laughs> I know in Florida they did set up a Facebook group to shoot Hurricane Irma. <laughs> so I'm hoping that someone's going to suggest getting a microscope and goddamn it, Cletus, get those tiny <laughs> bastards. Um, it's uh, it's quite we're being quietly terrified. I think is you know I'm just watching the news from from here and um, seeing that people are being quarantined in Shanghai. Shanghai's in lockdown. Um, apparently in some households. One person is allowed out once a day, which is kind of like my dream, to be honest. I did that yesterday because I had a hangover. Um, but genuinely, apart from that, terrifying. Um, we will touch on this more uh, later in the show. We are recording on the 14th of February, uh, and it's Bugle 4141, and 10 years since Bugle 104, and today is the 410th day of last year, and also 4,141 days since the 14th of October, in the year 2008, which itself was 1,004 years after the year 1,004. So lots of fours, lots of ones and a few zeros. Not much else. Uh, read into that uh, <laughs> what you will. It's a sign of something, and I, for one, see it as a forewarning that the world is going to end at some point in the next uh, 414 billion years. It's uh, the 14th of February, not just Valentine's Day, but also uh, today is No One Eats Alone Day and Pet Theft Awareness Week. Uh, so if an unexpected stranger bursts into your house whilst you're about to snuggle up in front of the telly for some quality me time, holding a terrified-looking iguana in one hand and your next-door neighbour's cat in the other and says, lizard for starter, moggy for main, I'll pop the oven on, well, don't be scared. They're just doing their bit for those two very good causes. Uh, as always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. Uh, today is also International Book Giving Day. And to mark this, we have the first drafts of some of the most famous first lines of novels from the history of literature. Uh, many of the uh, uh, novels, of course, were edited before publication. And here at the Bugle, we've managed to get access to the first drafts of some of the classic novels of history. And for International Book Giving Day, we're giving you the original first lines. For example, Charles Dickens's Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. So on average, it was kind of OK. Uh, from L.P. Hartley's The Go-Between. The past is a different country. And if you like it so much, Grandad, why don't you f***ing go back there with all the other oldies who are taking our jobs in the present? Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune is probably a bit of a dick. 
and uh, Kafka's Metamorphosis began originally. As Gregor Samsa awoke one morning from uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into Ian the Magic Sausage. Ian the Magic Sausage worked in the local <laughs> hospital, and he could turn blood into ketchup and pus into mustard. Everyone loved Ian the Magic Sausage until one day a vegan came into the hospital with a hurty leg. And J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit began. In a hole in the ground, there lived a rabbi, an archbishop and an imam. Strap in, everyone. Uh, Helmand Melville's Moby Dick originally began Call Me Maybe. And George Orwell's 1984 began It Was a Bright Cold Day in April and the clocks were striking 11 as Harold Larwood came running in at Trent Bridge Cricket Ground in Nottingham for his first delivery of the season. So uh, that section in the bin. Top story this week. Well, we've touched on it already. The virus that is sweeping the world. It has quite literally gone viral. The coronavirus has even come to London. Tiff, I know you've managed to escape before uh, uh, from this city, this this uh, pestilent, poxish city, uh, before the coronavirus uh, got here. But it's it's here. It's here. We're always a bit late to the party with the global events these days. But we're finally getting our piece of the coronavirus action. Uh, we're the first London victim. Uh, this week, a Chinese national who'd recently arrived in Britain who popped herself to hospital in an Uber. Um, what's wrong with a black cab? What's the point of coming to London if you're not going to do all the touristy stuff, like uh, get a black cab to hospital with a potentially fatal illness? And um, I mean, there's a lot of excitement here uh, because it's the coronavirus named due to its characteristic spikes uh, that look like a crown. So it's a royal virus. So I think that's why it's getting so much media traction. Here, uh, here. <laughs> in Britain, a lot, yeah, speculation, is it going to go on a nationwide tour? Is it going to cost the taxpayer uh, a lot of money, but actually bring in more in revenue from medicine, surgical supplies, you know, travel, host, hotels, restaurants, where people have to visit, visit ill relatives in, in, uh, in hospital? Um, and, uh, I mean, it's, 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 getting, it's getting quite exciting, I think. I mean, the whole, the whole world uh, here. And, um, it, it's, I mean, we, we touched on, you know, in, uh, America. I mean... It, there's an element here with the uh, the trade wars America's been enjoying with uh, with China. This has given a bit, a little bit of extra spice. Can I dampen your excitement, which is kind of my brand? Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a good brand. It's actually like not the medical community or people that I've talked to say it's actually not that much worse than the flu. It just has like really aggressive PR. Right. Okay. So that's why everybody's freaking out about it because it's like the new kid on the block, <laughs> the Billie Eilish of infectious diseases, and everybody's like really excited. But in a couple months, you're gonna see that it's really just kind of like elevator music of infectious diseases, and it really it's bad for people who have weakened immune systems and elderly people, and probably everybody who voted uh, leave. <laughs> but other than that, it's really, it's pretty benign as an effect. It's like a bad cold. It's like the opposite of um, Jeffrey Epstein in that it actively wants to f*** old people. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, family show, Tiff. Family show. Uh, the, the average age of victims is around 55. And most of those, you say, affected are old people and uh, Often those with pre-existing medical conditions are the ones worst affected. But the young have got off pretty much much scot-free. I mean, they don't know how good they've got it, the young, uh, with no coronavirus, not having to... Also, they don't have to blame themselves for the environment, Brexit or Trump. They're not tainted by having existed in the 20th century. This is another example of how skewed the world is in favour of the younger generation. It's about time they stepped up to the plate and started getting ill with the rest of us. Well, they will if they can get designer face masks. 
I think that's the next. <laughs> that'll be the next thing. I'm I'm wondering which brand's going to hop onto this first. Probably Dolce and Gabbana because they have a terrible PR track record. Uh, but apparently Fendi already do a disinfectant mask that you can buy in Harrods. Right. So you know, I'm sure it'll. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll we'll get the interest from the from the youth when it comes to fashion. That's bullshit. Actually, everyone's interested in fashion. I'm interested in fashion. Jenna just looked. <laughs> I'm really disappointed. Not, I'm actually not interested in fashion. <laughs> it's interesting. Isn't it? I mean, there is a business opportunity here for the trendy face mask. Um, um, I think um, one, I was just reading about one, a Diamante-encrusted uh, $4,000 surgical face mark, a mask designed by Stella McCartney and Damien Hurst, modelled on the facial contours of Helen of Troy, but equipped with Bluetooth, uh, at least Bluetooth if you drink a raspberry slushy through it. So, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's an opportunity. <laughs> opportunity in everything. They don't, uh, sorry to just be this, like, factual buzzkill, but they don't actually fully work. Uh, the best way to not get coronavirus is to wash your hands and not... Lick your fingers. Right. Okay. Well, that's. Well, how, how do you monetize? How do you monetize <laughs> that? Uh, it's really a nightmare if you're trying to eat a bag of watsits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a there is a Chinese disinfecting uh, system. I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen pictures of it. Go and look it up. It's basically a Stargate. It's it's a Stargate. It has the chevrons and everything. So you go in with a virus. You get molecularly molecularly deconstructed and you come out as a shit Roland Emmerich movie which is quite <laughs> quite a task the um the chinese uh, government reaction's been um well char- characteristically heavy-handed they've uh, rounded up people who are possibly sick or look like they might possibly get sick at some point uh, in in the future and i think we need to give the chinese government a bit of credit here because they've been practicing rounding up large groups of people for years and that practice is now coming in very very handy whereas i mean certainly here in britain we're not as well prepared we haven't been rounding up millions of people from religious and ethnic minorities in nearly the same scale so how are we going to deal with having to round up virus victims we'll probably just end up doing the british thing of uh, shouting at them in the street daubing offensive graffiti on their homes and writing inflammatory newspaper comment pieces about them but uh, well china's really showing the way (laughs) that'll work (laughs) (laughs) awesome to form an orderly queue that would be very british the um, uh, officials in Wuhan have had some criticism for uh, seizing patients who've not yet tested positive for the virus and herding them onto buses with no protective uh, measures, thus risking infection from others. And some of the people uh, who dealt with in this way, their testimonies have gone up online. One person wrote, I'm furious. I deliberately chose not to become a Chinese artist to avoid shit like this. Another said, this is not the level of service I expect from an oppressive pseudo-communist superstate. And another said, this is not the Brexit I voted for. <laughs> the discrediting of whistleblowers is uh, pretty terrifying, isn't it? That seems to be happening at the moment. Um, sort of up there with with victims of any kind of sexual assault or harassment. Like that's the level of discrediting. Yeah. Believe believe whistleblowers. I think is what I'm saying. Um, the only 35 year old who's died so far, pretty much, is like the one whistleblower doctor, <laughs> Doctor Lee, which makes me think it's kind of like an Epstein scenario. Like maybe the government. Killed him and not coronavirus. Right. I don't know. Not to say Epstein was a whistleblower hero, <laughs> but you know, you could infer. <laughs> well, I, I think I think there were two YouTube sort of or journalists that have also uh, gone missing as well. Uh, Chen Kishi, I think, and uh, Fang Bin. So they've been doing videos and reporting from inside on social media, and now they've gone missing. So that's all quite 
you know, terrifying. That's probably more scary than the virus itself. Oh, yeah. The attempts to curb the information. It is really interesting how the authoritarian uh, tactics seem deadlier than uh, the virus. The thing that the only thing that's kind of funny is the videos of cats with masks, (laughs) like (laughs) people thinking their cats aren't going to get coronavirus because they have like a little mask on the cat's face. It's cute. It's really. uh, But it's amazing. Just a, 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 a video of a cat could make any situation so much. If only they'd had that facility at the Battle of the Somme. I can just imagine how furious my cat would be if I put one of those on him. Um, Or, you know, you could just put your population on a cruise ship and just leave them floating. Horror movie. Yeah. I don't need more reasons to not go on a cruise. I'm a comic. I've already died on a cruise ship. (laughs) I mean, comedically. Um, So there's just these floating sort of corona vessels. Petri dishes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cruise ships in quarantine is uh, a section of the Muppets that never quite made it off uh, off the ideas board, I Quite live up to pigs in space. Clearly got the go ahead, which was a famous Muppetian experiment to see whether if a pig spent more than a lunar month in space, it became kosher. And uh, the answer was yes, it does. <laughs> uh, there, there's been some criticism of um, uh, here in Britain that we are still uh, there's still about a hundred flights a day going between Britain and China, when many other countries have uh, completely closed off transport to and from uh, China. But the thing is, in Britain. Uh, we don't need to do that because I will explain this in our Bugle coronavirus fact versus coronavirus myth section. Fact, Brexit has made Britain immune to the coronavirus. We are independent from all foreign viruses now. Only native-grown indigenous British diseases can kill people here. The coronavirus is banned. <laughs> fact, you cannot contract coronavirus from listening to a podcast, even if everyone on the podcast has we the can. virus. We <laughs> can. Sharing a mic. Myth. Over 2 billion people died between 1968 and 2014. Are you seriously expecting us to believe that none of them died of coronavirus? Pull the other one. Fact. Cruise ship passengers are more vulnerable to the coronavirus because it disproportionately attacks cells containing the gene that makes people want to travel slowly on a long sightseeing holiday. Myth. (laughs) Tom Cruise had coronavirus whilst filming A Few Good Men in the early 1990s. Turns out, not true at all. Just had the sniffles. Fact. You can contract coronavirus from a satanic ritual if that ritual involves slaying an infected bat and you're not wearing overalls or a devil mask. Uh, Fact. Coronavirus is racist. Fact. Many facts are also myths. Fact. Other groups immune to the coronavirus other than British people include popes, dolphins, snooker professionals, qualified mathematicians, Swiss bankers, acrobats, people who are already dead, such as the ancient Babylonians and Marie Curie, and medieval executioners, ice hockey goaltenders and gimps. That's very much a mask thing for those last three groups. And uh, finally, uh, myth. Donald Trump tried to get the Ukrainian Minister of Healthcare, Zoriana Skeletska, to order a vial of coronavirus to pour over Hunter Biden's breakfast cereal. That did not happen. He's completely innocent. American news now. And, uh, well, I have two guests currently in uh, in America. The uh, election is uh, hotting up into, well, frankly, something that most of us would happily take a virus to uh, to avoid having to watch for the next uh, next nine or ten months. Um, uh, Tiff, uh, Jenna, what's, what, what have been your highlights this week in American politics? Um, well, uh, William Barr has intervened uh, with the Roger Stone case. So William Barr and Jeffrey Epstein really dragging down the good name of the Epstein-Barr virus <laughs> here. Um, but uh, 
uh, Roger Stone's sentence has been cut because the federal government are big meanies and it was decided that seven to nine years uh, was excessive and unwarranted. So what really needs to happen with Roger Stone is he needs to get caught with marijuana. Um, <laughs> because if he got caught possessing marijuana, he'd get a lot more. Um, there's a, a mother of four from Oklahoma called Patricia Spotted Crow, who learned firsthand how a small-time pot bus can completely derail an offender's life. A $31 pot sale got her a stunning 12-year prison sentence. So that's, you know, five years more than what Roger Stone uh, was initially sentenced to. So um, it's uh, quite terrifying for democracy, I suppose. Uh, former US Attorney General Eric Holder, who was Attorney General under Obama, um, said that the uh, conduct regarding the, the Roger Stone case had, quote, put at risk the perceived and real neutral enforcement of our laws and ultimately endanger the fabric of our democracy. Now, that fabric, the fabric of American democracy, has seen better days. That fabric is like a zebra print picnic blanket that has just spent a year and a half in a lion enclosure. If you were to use the fabric of American <laughs> democracy to make a three-piece suit and wear it to a job interview, your prospective new boss would say, we do have a suit-should-have-arms-and-legs policy at this company, and if you could go for the non-visible <laughs> groin next time, that would be greatly appreciated. It still transmits smallpox, the fabric of America. <laughs> Uh, also, there was an article that just came out this week in GQ uh, alleging, well, it wasn't alleging because it's actual case like documents, but uh, Bloomberg's history of sexual harassment. He had 40 sexual harassment lawsuits over a couple decades or in the 90s, and the to have a sexual harassment lawsuit in the 90s is pretty much, pretty indicting because nobody... Nobody reported shit then, so <laughs> it's kind of an interesting ripple in the Bloomberg. Maybe it'll make him more popular with America, to be honest. <laughs> if you want to beat Trump, you got to beat him at his own game. <laughs> well, that's it. Billionaire against... Two billionaires enter, one billionaire leaves. That is how this, this campaign could, uh, <laughs> could get. Thunderdome. That's this what people want from democracy. Um, well, I think... I think Mike Bloomberg will will uh, take anyone's support as long as uh, as long as they take one hundred and fifty dollars, because that was the news here in the past week or so uh, that uh, that Bloomberg was reaching out to Instagram influencers, of which uh, I believe we both are, Jenna. <laughs> yeah. I'm technically a micro influencer, um, which is a fine uh, term if you're female. Mm -hmm. well, I think as a guy, micro-influencer. <laughs> Nano-influencer. <laughs> so what, what defines a micro-influencer? Is, is there a certain level of followership you need? I think so. I think it's just being verified or having over 10,000 Instagram followers. Right. Okay. Um, so, but I know, I, I know you love the gram, Andy, and you're yep. on it all the time. Uh, all, all the time. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I mean, I'm... I'm and, a... and those bikini shots of you... <laughs> <laughs> Always want to look my best. Um, uh, I think I'm a micro-influencer in that I have two children and I make them watch lots of sport. So I, I think that's basically is I'm happy with that level of micro-influence. Um, Would you take 150 bucks to uh, support Mike Bloomberg? Uh, oof, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, if you can make it 200, I'll, I'll consider it. I think 150 is a bit on the cheap side, to be honest, for you know, for brainwashing my children about the, the glories of the Bloomberg campaign. Um Particularly if there's there's cricket on the telly, I'm not I'm not turning off the sport to promote Michael Bloomberg's campaign. If that's what you're asking, 
Um, it, as you say, the, this case with uh, uh, this issue with uh, William Barr, the Attorney General, has been described by a former federal attorney as a crisis of credibility. Nobody knows whether decisions are being made based on the facts and the law or whether they are based on political whim. That is obviously untrue. Everyone knows whether the decisions are made on facts or law or political whim. And the answer to that multiple choice question is B, political whim. Everybody knows that. I mean, no one's <laughs> pretending they're made by facts and law anymore. I mean, the, the American justice system has taken a bit of a pounding recently. What with that recent, fairly significant, very public, high profile legal case being conducted uh, in uh, the very highest chambers of American politics by people with no legal expertise, obvious vested interest, and without traditional legal sticks such as witnesses, evidence, facts, objectivity, and the actual law being applied. So you can see that law is having a bit of a rough ride at the moment in, uh, on the other side of the pond. Um, yeah, no, our, our uh, 2020 election is going to go really well. Everything's going to work out and we're going to be a democracy again. <laughs> Just kidding. That's... <laughs> uh, the, um, so let's, let's turn to the, uh, the, the Democrats, uh, the uh, latest uh, round and the efforts to win the golden ticket prize of being abused, belittled and battered by Donald Trump until A, November and B, the end of time. Um, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, came out on, on top uh this week, I was reading about the Bernie or bust phenomenon um, in which many of uh, Bernie Sanders supporters, about a sixth of his supporters say they will not vote for any other Democrat candidate if Bernie is not chosen uh, as, uh, you know, as, as the Democratic presidential candidate. Only just over half, 53%, said they would definitely vote for whoever is running for the Democrats. And given how close the last election was in, in 2016... Uh, which uh, Donald Trump won with, I, th- I think, what, minus one or two percent uh, of a vote superiority over Hillary Clinton. You'd think, do you not, at some point, you think back through other elections, George W. Bush uh, in 2000 and that vote being being slightly... Do we, I guess the one lesson we can learn from history is that people never f***ing learn lessons from history. Uh, the way I see it, with the, with the idea of not voting for any Democrat against Trump, like if you're building a new house in an area famous for having a large population of feral human-eating tigers and you're having an argument over whether or not to have a green front door or an orange front door or a purple front door and you really, really want a green front door but the front door company says, we're sorry, we're totally out of green front doors, you cannot have a green front door. Do you A, get no front door or B, <laughs> get a front door that you're not totally happy with. Even if you have a slight allergic reaction to purple and orange makes you feel grumpy. Get a f- door. Get the door. No, they're like lighting their house on fire. It's not even about the door. It's nice that you think that. It's, it is really scary. Um, on the bright side, though, another candidate is emerging. Uh, I don't know how much you guys know about Amy Klobuchar. But um, she's a moderate centrist who uh, physically assaults her staff with office equipment. And I love her more and more every day. (laughs) I think it's such a feminist gesture to support a woman who acts like a man. (laughs) The clobes. Clobe trotters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but she's a centrist. I mean, you know, a lot of people here who are uh, not monsters will vote for any of the Democrats. I think uh, there's a larger conversation about people being radicalized online to vote against their own self-interest, which I think a lot of the Bernie or bust people do. Uh, I can't even talk about them online. Otherwise, I'll get attacked. I mean, you get that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I, I do think the way... I do think... um, 
Bernie and Corbyn are different, but I do think the way that the media talks about them is incredibly similar, or the tactics used, which is to fracture the left beyond the point of disrepair, um, and then the right sort of surges ahead with uh, United on the things that they don't like and don't want. And this is just like left-wing people just repeatedly punching themselves in the face <laughs> over and over again. Um, I mean, Andrew Yang's out of the race now, so there's no Yang gang anymore. How do you feel about Andrew Yang, Andy? Uh, well, um, I'll, I'll be honest, I've not followed his candidacy hugely closely. I mean, he seemed to describe himself as the Asian math guy. Um, I don't know if he's gunning for a role in The in the Simpsons, if uh, you know, now Hari Kondabolu's campaign of destruction has led to, uh, led to uh, <laughs> the marginalisation of Apu. Are you happy now, Hari, if you're listening to this? Um, uh, but he's... He, uh, I was intrigued by what he said when he you know, announced his uh, his departure from the race. While we did not win in this election, we're just getting started. This this is the beginning. This movement is the future of American politics. And I admire the optimism in that. But I think the future of American politics is, frankly, people being absolute <laughs> to each other from now until the end of time. Because it clearly works. Yeah, there... There is something interesting about one thing we've learned from Trump. It's to never apologize and just fake it till you make it. Like every single person's concession speech in Iowa, for example, was like, we won. <laughs> it's just how we are now. It's just if you just keep saying that you won, people will just believe you. I won the Edinburgh Fringe Award, by the way. I'd like to just announce that now. And I won Iowa. <laughs> I won the Iowa caucus. <laughs> Um, did you Pete have a Buttigieg too? Do you guys? Oh yes. So oh. Tell, tell us a bit more about Pete. Do you hear uh, what... Pete Buttigieg. Well, he uh, he used to work as a an infectious disease um, biologist in a lab, and he created <laughs> coronavirus <laughs> to wipe out the competition. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's actually a fact. <laughs> it's really the only way he's going to rise to the top if he just uh, biologically engineers everyone else out of the race. I just need to know who Nicolas Cage is going to support now. Andrew Yang's out the race because he was he was all in for Yang. He was fully Yang gang. I kind of like the Yang gang. I thought those guys were. I mean, I you know, I, I'm wondering who they'll go to now. If they'll go to like Bernie or Warren, that's a question. Yeah. You're. Are you? Do you want to say who you? Do you like women or do you hate women? <laughs> <laughs> Pick a lane, Yang gang. <laughs> it's got an advantage, um, I guess, having a, sur a surname that lends itself to to a rhyme like that because I mean that's uh, Amy Klobuchar is going to really struggle Klobby yes it's you, you, you need some pithy marketing like uh, some red hats maybe with make math great again on them um, Hope Hicks is back in the White House which I know is very exciting for everyone Hope Hicks perfectly um, alliterated she does she's on the cheer squad and she's the one that secretly sabotages her teammates by greasing the gym floor <laughs> uh, she's called Hope but deep down we know she's a Heather <laughs> um, it's very interesting that she's come back uh, well not that she's come back but the timing of her return because she initially quit didn't she under the scrutiny of law enforcement and admitting to the fact that she told white, white lies, lies which is just you know racist lies <laughs> for Trump I don't know that's a perfect <laughs> phrase for it yeah I told white lies um, but uh, this kind of after the sort of acquittal I feel like this is this is a renewed sense of is it confidence or arrogance or something to bring her back into the fold at this point. The timing is quite interesting. Uh, Hope Hicks also, uh, according to some historians, uh, one word summaries of what the last two presidents of the USA represent. 
Uh, British politics news, and there has been a cabinet reshuffle here. Boris Johnson, the uh, pri- uh, Prime Minister, <laughs> those words just still don't sound right. And I don't think they'll sound right in 50 <laughs> or 100 years' time either. Um, uh, had a, uh, a cabinet reshuffle in which, unexpectedly, his Chancellor of the Exchequer, Sajid Javed, uh, resigned, stroke, was sacked. Um, you know, did he jump? Was he pushed? Uh, he pushed and then pretended he was jumping, I think, was uh, essentially how it went. Um, and it's interesting, though, the way, I mean, this seems kind of chaotic and it's a, this seems to be a kind of fairly naked power grab by Boris Johnson. It's interesting to see the politics of it because Theresa May failed at the general election in 2017 with a strong and stable message. And Boris Johnson appears to be going for weakness and instability to try and shore up his uh, his new power base. Um, uh, uh, Sajid Javid was the at the shortest spell as Chancellor of the Exchequer for 50 years and the shortest without having unexpectedly died since way, way uh, b- before that. And we now have a new Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, who has less than a month to suddenly hack an entire budget together. I guess it's good to have uh, a deadline. Also sacked Julian Smith, the Northern Ireland Secretary, who had uh, won widespread praise from uh, well from uh, all across Ireland, all across the UK, for uh, managing to... Uh, uh, get the disputative parties talking in Northern Ireland, get the Assembly back up and, and running, and he was therefore sacked. By most measures, he'd been a raging success, and therefore he simply had to go, such is politics these days. The best thing you can do for your career is shut up and do a shit job. <laughs> um, I always think of these cabinet reshuffles as less cabinet reshuffles and more a sideboard full of shit. Um <laughs> Did uh did Javid even get to hold the red briefcase? Oh, I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not I mean because that's got to be gutting because that is what you go into politics for, isn't it? Those there's something just gloriously old school about holding up a battered old red briefcase. Yeah, full of uh, plans to destroy uh, the poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because inside it's just yeah. a hope-crushing machine. There's not actually papers inside. It's just a, a very high-tech hope crusher. And it, why why is um, Michael Gove still described as de facto Deputy Prime Minister? Michael Gove is 100% that dude that promises to look after your girlfriend whilst you're away and then tries to slip her the tongue and get slapped. <laughs> I'll take that's, you for that. That's the... That's what it's just. That's who he comes across as to me. And obviously, he's been he's been talking about um, Brexit and border checks. I don't know if you've seen this, Andy. Um, but Brexit is going as smoothly as Jeff Norcott promised it would. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that Bojo's like the type of guy that you have sex with, and he's like, "I'm not gonna come pull out." Totally works, and then he comes inside you. But I didn't like that <laughs> analogy because then you think about <laughs> Boris Johnson, and it's less. It's fun. family show. <laughs> family show. Um. Um, uh, so, so, so Michael Gove has been saying border checks are inevitable now, um, which I mean, I suppose the upside is that we don't have to hear him repeating the phrase frictionless trade over and over like some kind of grotesque safe word. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the government has confirmed there'll be checks on food and goods of animal origin, as well as customs declarations on imports and exports at the border. So, you know, it, it's basically 
they said that you know it wouldn't affect uh there wouldn't be a problem at borders for trade and everything else and now it's slowly unraveling well i mean the thing is we we can't judge it yet tiff I and mean, we've got to we've got to let it play out for two three hundred years before we make these snap judgments on whether or not it's a good idea I was comforted by the fact that when Theresa May, I don't know if you remember who she was, but when she, um, <laughs> just the fact that she like was diabetic, I felt like was, you know, cool to have somebody who would rely on insulin that's like not made in the UK <laughs> to kind of be in charge of that Brexit decision. And now it's just like, I don't know how to, serious question though, if you need insulin or something not made in the UK to survive, how are people doing? How are people with diabetes doing over there? <laughs> I guess... Well, it's just They're too weak to tell us, but the, just the the, nat- the natural s- sweet sugar of freedom. That's that's all we need. <laughs> what we're going to have to do for diabetics is what they do for bees in the summer, which is just leave like a little bowl of sugared water <laughs> outside <laughs> outside your house. All right, I thought yeah. you meant chase I mean, after them with tennis rackets, shouting, "Get away from my fucking picnic!" Kill them with cell phones. <laughs> Drown them in coleslaw. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's what, what they're saying now is that, that Boris Johnson is wanting to, to pursue um, an Australian-style deal, which means no deal, because Australia don't have a free trade deal with the EU. Light everything on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, he and, and what it kind of says, ultimately, is that, that Brexit is a political decision and not an economic one. You know, and and that the economic cost, even a significant one, doesn't matter because of the mantra taking back control. And I think if Boris wanted to take back control, he should have just got a pair of spanks like everyone else. <laughs> How do you know he doesn't have them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, we've got to put these border checks and stuff in place, um, but it's not going to be done by the end of the year, and. So I feel like this is just going to be a shitstorm. It's, you know, they were saying that in January, that's peak import season for things like fresh fruit and vegetables, and customers are really going to see the problems on supermarket shelves unless the infrastructure is put in place. But, I mean, God knows how long this is all going to take. Well, you can't bring practicality into it now, Tiff. Uh, I mean, this, <laughs> this, this was not a vote that had practicality at its heart, and, you know, it, it would be hypocritical now. If, you know, A, having promised chaos from you know, both sides, then if that chaos has now denied us. Right. So we should we should we should expect fights at the borders with fruits and vegetables involved. Food yeah. fights. It was all in the, it was all in the manifesto, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know what was in there. No one reads manifestos. It could easily have been in a manifesto. <laughs> in Article 50, there's a whole <laughs> section about food fights. <laughs> Valentine's Day breakup news now. And, uh, well, since it's a Valentine's Day uh, bugle, we're going to do a story on uh, breakups. A researcher in Canada has apparently found a way of um, editing your memories using therapy and beta blocker uh, drugs to take the sting out of breakups. Now, I mean, this is really the kind of science that I can fully get behind, particularly here in Britain. We, we need this. We need this therapy and beta blockers for at least 16 million people, plus quite a lot more who weren't able to vote. Just pump it into the water system like they do with fluorine. Um, uh, for those yeah, of you you not- guys really need more meds to repress <laughs> your emotions. 
Well, I mean, that's to, to be honest. When we're, we're becoming, you know, we're looking to America now as our, our touchstone and inspiration for this post-Brexit uh, uh, New Britain. And um, uh, to be honest, if we are not all absolutely dependent on um, uh, expensive medication within fifty years, Brexit will have been a failure. Um, uh, therapy and beta blockers is fancy modern talk for two bottles of cheap whiskey, an over-emotional blast on a karaoke machine and shouting at traffic on the way home about how you never loved them anyway um, before trying to make out <laughs> with a post box. So uh, uh, it's... Uh, I mean, this, this, this could this could change the way humans behave if, uh, if you have pain-free breakups. Well, the research suggests in this story that about 70% of patients found relief with a few sessions of reconsolidation therapy which I like that it's called that. Take all of your romantic pain and hurt over a lifetime and consolidate it into 12 <laughs> easy monthly pain payments. <laughs> um, sort of reading into it, it sounds like NLP, you know, neuro-linguistic programming uh, with a drug addition on the side. And he says memories in their, neuro, uh, their neutral factual elements are saved in the brain's hippocampus. Yeah, I said that correctly. Um, but the emotional tone of the memory is saved somewhere else. So it says, imagine you're shooting a movie in the old-fashioned way. You have the image and the sound, and they're on two separate channels. And when a person relives their traumatic memory, they experience both channels. And then propan... Oh, this is propanolol? Propanolol. da 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 da, da. <laughs> um, Helps target one channel, the emotional aspect of memory, inhibiting its reconsolidation and suppressing the pain. So it's actually a drug going in to minimise the pain and the PTSD of the experience. And I'm not saying PTSD lightly. They use it throughout the article. Yes. I mean, but I guess, you know, in terms of... Uh, you know, I, I have a great deal of experience with breakups. I've been with my my, uh, yeah. my wife since I was, what, 20, 21, 20, 22. But, you know, if, if you can take you know, a vial of this magic drug to, to a breakup, Surely that, I mean, that's going to smooth things over, isn't it? Instead of a bunch of flowers, just a, a vial of the special beta blocker. Bingo. What are the side effects? <laughs> Forgetting your mom's name. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there are other ways I to... I kind of... Sorry, carry on. I don't know. I like feeling... I like the heartbreak that comes with the breakup. You kind of lose 10 pounds, never look better. Your comedy <laughs> gets funnier. <laughs> I wouldn't give that up for the world. <laughs> Because there are other alternatives to uh, you know, to what to do uh, with a breakup. Uh, a, never mention it, pretend it never happened. That's how we in Britain tend to deal with any split, whether it's a relationship or the end of empire. Uh, uh, option B, you hire a doppelganger of your lost beloved and pay them a retainer for the rest of your natural life. Uh, C, option C, you record a seminal album about it. Or option D, you commission a Taj Mahal. Admittedly, that was a non-voluntary breakup when she ran off with a Mr G Reaper. You could also sleep with their best friend. There's so many things you can do <laughs> to get over a breakup. I, I would like this drug to remove the memory of a guy I once dated years ago who, whenever he said jazz, went, mmm, nice. <laughs> <laughs> like that bit from the far show. If I could just have that forever removed from my memory, that would I would be very happy. Right, just just selective. So you need you need this drug to be honed down so it just removes selective parts of relationships. Yes, yeah, yeah, just all the bits that I find very annoying. I mean, to be honest, if, if you apply this in a relationship, this, this could put all divorce lawyers out of the relationships you're still in. Yeah. <laughs> you just drug yourself. Like that one fight you had. <laughs> uh, I think the problem is, is that, uh, you know, I don't know how many men want this because I think women have better memories. We, like, remember more stuff, loads more stuff. Um, 
whereas uh, all, all men have selective memories. I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> but I seem to retain information from every argument I've ever had with my other half. And then I will bring it up at the perfect moment to destroy him. <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm quite lucky in that, because that, I, I basically had no memory left by the time that I got together with, uh, with, with my wife and it was just, abs- my brain was absolutely full of sports trivia by that point. So I can know, I can't remember basically anything that's happened in our relationship and it's proved you know, extremely happy and fruitful. Did you shout out cricket terms during the wedding ceremony? Please tell me you didn't do that, Andy. Well, I didn't, I didn't shout them out loud, but you know, I was certainly you know, singing them on the inside. <laughs> Aliens are talking to us news now, and some very exciting news. Um, Astronomers have found radio signals from half a billion light years away. Um, This, uh, Tiff, you are our intergalactic communications correspondent. Uh, Bring us up to date with uh, what the aliens are trying to say to us. Well, a mysterious radio signal from space is repeating every 16 days, and I think it's my mum telling my dad to put the toilet seat down afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of things that repeat themselves constantly. Um, the bursts originated from a galaxy 500 million light years away. Probably not a- aliens, MIT said in a statement. Um, but I'm excited about it, Andy. I'm yeah. pretty excited. Because um, at this point, aren't we hoping for intergalactic intervention? Yeah, like, I, think, I think we should welcome it. It's the most likely solution to the climate crisis, I think. Certainly. Yeah. Sweet uh, relief from... from from Brexit, Corona, failed impeachment, Piers Morgan. <laughs> also, I, in America, I am an alien of extraordinary ability, so I think I'll be all right. They'll take me as one of their own. <laughs> uh, half a billion light years away. And, I mean, also, you think radio? Are these, like, who listens to radio these days? Surely, surely it's all about the podcast now. And if they're listening to radio <laughs> half a billion years ago, what, what are they up to <laughs> the now? The signal's like too many... Po- <laughs> The signal blasting is like, too many podcasts, stop with the podcast. Well, if you put another half billion years of evolution from the beginning of radio, then I imagine by now they've evolved the podcast genre so far that they can now um, describe, investigate and solve all the crimes ever committed in history and then uh, produce them into one high-pitched tone lasting half a second. And that will be the logical end of all podcasting. Um... (laughs) I just, I, I want them to invade Andy. Podcast right. or no podcast, that's what I want to happen. I like how you think they're already not here. Like, the only explanation for the past three years is that the aliens have landed and that they all support Trump. I don't know if you've seen the movie They Live, but it's... I have, yes. ...what we're dealing with. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, need to start taking, I need to start taking my sunglasses off. Or is it putting them on so I can see who the aliens are? Putting them on. Putting them on, okay. I... I would like some Kardashians taken out by Kardashians. I would like a little green man making Trump bleed out of his eyes and his wherever. And I want Boris Johnson levitating and being drained by a tripod. That is what I want, Andy, and I want it now. Uh, well, that brings us towards the end of this Valentine's Day uh, bugle. We've not really talked about the real St. Valentine. We think of St. Valentine's uh, today as a third-century Roman martyr and professional saint who dabbled in low-grade poetry and was best known for crowbarring rhymes into half-baked ditties and would do, frankly, anything to get underneath a nun's wimple. And certain publications, such as the bugle, have over the years disseminated false information on St. Valentine. But we can tell you, having actually checked online, there are, there are some facts about him. He uh, reputedly left a note to the daughter of his jailer on the day of his execution in the uh, the 3rd century AD. On the day of your execution, you're still 
trying. That's impressive, isn't it? Still trying to woo as you face. I mean, he couldn't stop thinking about it for a second. Um, that's, I guess, uh, a typical man. Um, <laughs> oh, did anyone else get a um, Valentine's card from their parents? Just, uh, just wanted to ask. What this year or in general in the past? Just. Just general in the past. Uh, no, I, I never did actually. But yeah, I'm from a very British family. We uh, we we keep all our emotions under wraps, <laughs> even the fake ones. <laughs> <laughs> My mum sent me one, and in it she put uh, "Happy Valentine's love" from question mark, and then next to it brackets mum. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that her way of saying she's not sure if if she's your real mother? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to spiral into an existential crisis now. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, this week's bugle. Um, thank you very much uh, for listening, uh, Jenna and Tiff. Thanks very much for for joining me from from Los Angeles. Uh, thank you for having us, thanks, Andy. Andy. Uh, there, there has Happy been Valentine's Day. Uh, thank you very much. There has been. Uh, you have to say that anonymously. Um, uh, there has been uh, brackets, Jenna. <laughs> there, there, there has That's been smart. a uh, what can only be described as awkward delay on the line uh, for this episode. Uh, so for our uh, new uh, standing producer, Harriet, this is uh, well, I mean, an entertaining start. Uh, we will be off uh, next week. I am on holiday, but there will be a sub bugle featuring an episode of the Last Post and some classic bugle archival material then we'll be we'll be back in a fortnight uh, thanks again for listening until next time goodbye hi it's producer chris from the bugle here did you know that i have a new series of my podcast richie firth travel hacker out now It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you must be so excited. Listen now.